Welcome to the weekly podcast channel for the Wilmington Church of Christ. We hope that this channel inspires and encourages you to take the gospel to all people, transforms hearts to be like Christ, and trains disciples to make disciples. For more information about our church, please go to wcconline.org. Enjoy the message. It's amazing to me that my whole world can slow down and change, and I can still find a way to be distracted or busy. You know, at first, my calendar, uh, I have all these face-to-face meetings and this uh, busy schedule. I think everybody's kind of busy, where I'm picking up my kids and I'm meeting people. And then, within just a day, my calendar went blank. I didn't have anywhere to be. I didn't have any kids to pick up. I didn't have any kids to drop off. And I had plenty of time to start dinner. And then I discovered... I could communicate through videos. So I'd put together some scripts and I'd put those online and thank you for letting me know they're making a difference. And I found out our staff could work from home and we could visit using phone calls and so directing staff and answering emails and checking Facebook. And all of a sudden I was just as busy and distracted as I was before the slowdown, but in a different way. Maybe you're finding yourself easily distracted when this could have been the slowest time and the time of rest that you've had in a while. Maybe you're finding that you're picking up your phone for just a quick update and the next thing you know, hours have gone by. Or you started playing a new game on your phone and it's sucking the life out of you, keeping you from your family, your friends, or from healthier pursuits like taking a walk or cleaning out that closet you've been meaning to get to for a long time. Maybe you used to have movie night with your family once a week, but now every day and every night is movie night. What if our distractions are keeping us from focusing our attention on the one thing, the one person who matters most, God. There's three or four things in chapter 2 of Jonah that teaches us what to do when God helps us get alone and puts us in a period of slowdown. But I want us to focus on two that I think are the most important, repentance and recommitment. Let's take a look at Jonah chapter 2, this prayer of Jonah, and see how God wants us to look at repentance and recommitment in our own lives because he's given us this opportunity to slow down. I'm going to start with verse 17 of chapter 1, and then we're going to move into chapter 2. Chapter 2 is written almost completely as a prayer, a, a Hebrew poetry psalm to God, but it has a lot to teach us. Here's chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Remember, when we ended last week, the sailors on the ship had thrown Jonah overboard into the sea, the raging waters, and as soon as Jonah went into the sea, God calmed the waters. This sign caused those sailors to seek out the Lord with a sacrifice and with praise. They even made vows to God. And here Jonah is thrown in the water, and as he began to sink, and as he began to lose his breath, and as he began to drown, God provided this grace of a fish to scoop him up and save his life. Verse 1 of chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now, in your Bibles, probably like in mine, that word Lord has all capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D. Anytime you see that in the Bible, what the scripture is trying to teach us and tell us there is that they have used the covenant name for God, Yahweh. And so when you read that word Lord, you can actually replace it with God's name that he gave us to call him, Yahweh. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to Yahweh, his God. 
Jonah was remembering that God is a God of mercy and grace, even in the midst of his most terrible moment. Verse 2, he said, In my distress I called to Yahweh, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me, and seaweed was wrapped around my head. And to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Yahweh, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. I remembered you, Yahweh, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Verse 10, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I don't know if anybody's ever been happy or excited about fish vomit as Jonah was that day. I think there are two things that God wants us to see, two ways that God wants us to express ourselves when we get isolated, when we have a period of slowdown, and we find it in Jonah chapter 2, we can imitate what Jonah did. Two ways, repentance and recommitment. Number one is repentance. Repentance means we are turning away from what we were doing and how we were living, and we turn back to God. God broke through Jonah's denial and running and got his attention. God forced a stillness and a silence onto Jonah for a moment just to speak to him. I think God has broken through our comfort zone with a time of slowdown and stillness too. And for us here in Wilmington, Ohio, it's different than other places in the world. Our main disruption where our congregation lives is our schedules have been disrupted. Our businesses have been closed. We've had to limit our food purchase. But in other places like Elmhurst, Queens, New York City, Dr. Ricky Lane described the emergency department like an overcrowded parking garage where physicians must move patients in and out of spots just to access other patients blocked by their stretchers. Some people have it a lot worse than us. But the slowdown is what God is using to talk to us now. Jonah's disruption was pretty serious. But for different reasons. For Jonah, it was because God was either punishing him for disobeying a direct command or discipling him in such a way that would help Jonah come back to God. What's God want you to use your slowdown for? Jonah had been set apart to be used by God as God's prophet. God's word spoken and preached in such a way that people could know who God was and what God desired. In the Old Testament, that's how God made his ways and word known through the prophets. Either way, God had every right to banish Jonah from his sight. Remember last week that God had given Jonah really clear instructions to go and preach to the city of Nineveh the word of God. And Jonah had run as far away as he could in the opposite direction. 
He was trying to get rid, uh, he was trying to get away from the presence of God. He was trying to get away from the word of God and he was trying to ignore the command of God. I think our distractions can keep us from connecting with God, connecting with the word of God, and even maybe make us ignore the direct commands of the Lord. Have you ever done that? Have you ever ignored the direct commands of God? You know, there are over 1,000 New Testament commands for Christians to follow. And all 1,050 commands found in the New Testament can be summed up in the commandments that Christ spoke. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And in John chapter 13, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Have you ever ignored the clear instructions of God? I believe that at one time or another, every Christian has been like Jonah, a fugitive running from God. But we can never escape God. We can never escape his loving discipline that he would use to get our attention. God had every right to crush Jonah with his mighty hand. And if you're like me, you fail to keep some of God's commandments. And I bet that you've even once or twice ignored them completely, done everything possible to go to the opposite ends of the earth instead of spending time with God, listening to God and obeying what God has clearly told us to do. But instead of crushing Jonah, God sent a wind and God sent a sea and God sent a fish to make Jonah get alone and respond to God. Likewise, what if God in His grace is not using His hand to crush us in this current slowdown, but He's actually reaching down and trying to shake us awake? If there hasn't been a moment of reflection where you've asked yourself, is God trying to get our attention? I don't know what it would take. God used the storm, the sea, the threat of death, and the fish to get Jonah to see his problem. Jonah couldn't ignore God when God got him alone. Jonah needed to stop trying to be selfish, keeping the word of the Lord from others, and keeping others from receiving salvation. The key for Jonah was that he needed to repent and then recommit to God's purpose for his life. Repent and then recommit. It takes four steps to repent. Number one is responsibility. We must recognize that we have done wrong and take responsibility for whatever is our fault. There's two really key ways to recognize where we are not following God and taking responsibility for our actions. One is the Word of God. We can use the Bible like a great mirror for our souls. When we look at the Bible and compare our lives to how we're living, the active living word tells us how to live and think and act and speak. And if we don't line up to what the scripture says, we need to take responsibility for that. It's nobody's fault but our own when we go down paths that lead to death. The second way we can recognize and take responsibility for our actions is through the church. I know we're not meeting together physically, but that hasn't stopped me from seeing my closest friends and my family. If your closest friends and family are believers, then they're part of the church, and they can hold us accountable to what God's Word said. And we have to take 100% of responsibility for our actions, words, and thoughts. A lot of times, it, it takes someone, a friend of mine, or a church member to point it out to me. 
I have this great friend who has the ability to see where I'm not following the Lord or if I'm just straying from the path or maybe I'm backsliding or maybe I'm just acting selfishly. And he has both the permission and ability to point it out for me in my life and make me aware of my own sin. Sin will blind our minds and blind our hearts to our own inability to be perfect like Christ. So we need help from the Word and we need help from the church to reveal those moments to us so we can take responsibility, recognize what is wrong in our own lives, and then turn that around to begin following Christ. So we take responsibility, and the second thing is we need to go to have regret. Regret is having true remorse for the wrongs we've committed against God and for the pain we've caused others and ourselves. There's no sin that we do that doesn't affect someone else. Listen again, there are no private sins. All sin hurts our relationship with God and our relationship with others. In Jonah's case, when he ran from God, he literally took away the only chance the people of Nineveh had to live. God, in his anger at their sin, was going to destroy the whole city. In his wrath, he was going to lay waste to everyone, unless they came to repentance. So we have to use that responsibility and regret to move us to resolve. Number three is resolve. We must be committed to never repeating the sin or the temptation process that led us to where we were going away from God. When we're tempted, God always provides us a way to escape or something else to do. God says through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can tell the devil to get away from us. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. That's taking responsibility, having regret. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Another way to escape uh, temptation is that prepare, we need to prepare our mind and heart ahead of time to suffer for Christ. One of my favorite verses that has really moved me the last couple of years is 1 Peter 4.1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. God actually tells us that if we're willing to suffer through and deny our selfish desires like Christ did, we can lead a holy life. Repentance involves taking responsibility, having true regret, and resolving to go after Christ instead of our own desires. And the fourth part, the last part of repentance may be the most difficult. We have to repeat the process. <laughs> we are never quite through with repentance or making mistakes until Christ comes back. We will always have to adjust our lives to look like Jesus. And that's God's main goal for us. No matter what our circumstances or no matter what our slowdown or busyness is, God's goal is that we would take on the character of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 29 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be, listen to this, conformed to the image of His Son. After turning back to God with repentance, we now have the opportunity to recommit, to have a recommitment to what God called us to do in the first place. And this is the second part of our sermon, recommitment. That's the second part that we see in Jonah's account and this prayer in chapter 2. This is where God took Jonah. When Jonah came to his senses and repented, he ended up taking on the character of Christ, that purpose of God. He started having compassion for those who were lost and seeking out after idols for their salvation. And when in reality, 
Jonah realized he had to tell everyone in Nineveh that salvation comes from the Lord. Look at Jonah chapter 2, verse 8. Here's what it says, uh, verse 8 and 9. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you, and what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. That's our role as Christ followers, to lead people into a relationship with God and teach them how to follow Him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Matthew 28, 19-20. Don't waste this opportunity that God is giving us to slow down. Examine our hearts and then repent and recommit to what His desire is for us to be like Christ and to lead others into a relationship with Him. I think God is trying to get our attention. Don't go back to your distractions yet. Don't fill up your calendar just yet. Don't allow your hands to pick up the phone again until you get on your knees and seek out what He wants you to hear, what He wants you to think, and what He wants you to do. Take time today and ask God to reveal to you what areas of your life you have turned from God to something else. What areas are you clinging to worthless idols instead of seeking out salvation from the Lord? God wants us to be used as his instruments of revival and hope and peace and instruments that will declare with Jonah and with Christ, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. What if you use this time you've been given by God, this slowdown, to begin developing habits that will grow your character to look more like Christ? What if you created times and space in your home while you wait to come out of shelter in place to repent Renew your spirit and allow God to create a new normal that will carry over when this period of slowdown ends. What if you allow God to use the situation to develop your character, to fit in His greater plan for your life? He has slowed things down where you can be still and hear from Him. I think you can do this in several different ways. One of the ways is Cheryl, uh, our children's minister, has given us resurrection eggs. There is a set of resurrection eggs that will be available for every household in our church next Saturday, April 4th, from 10 a.m. to noon. To get them, you'll need to pull up in front of the church office, roll down your window, and Cheryl and her boys will take a six-foot pole and hand you your resurrection eggs in these bags. And inside these resurrection eggs, they're numbered 1, 2, all the way to 12. And each resurrection eggs has a different part of the story of Easter. I won't show you what it is, but everyone has something in them that will teach you about Jesus, that will allow you to slow down, think about what the Lord is doing, and then reconnect to Him. Maybe even these resurrection eggs will lead to a time of repentance, because you'll recognize how far we are from the Lord and recommitment because you'll recognize what Christ has done for us. Personally, there are five ways you can recommit to God over the next couple of days that involve just our normal stuff that we talk about. <laughs> I'm just going to put this right here. Our normal stuff that we talk about whenever we talk about character development. Well, number one is we need to develop the daily habit of praying. I know in our congregation, we started talking about the Lord's Prayer in Psalm 23 several months ago, and we would meditate on that. And we had this goal that we would meditate on one of those prayers before 
our feet hit the floor in the morning before we even got out of bed. If you've stopped doing that, go back to doing that now. Go back to uh, working through in your mind the Lord's Prayer and how that's going to affect you for the day, or Psalm 23, and how that's going to affect you for the day before you even get out of bed. Um, I know uh, I set that as my goal, but a lot of times I can't even think right until I get out of bed, brush my teeth, and hop in the shower. And it's in the shower that I begin thinking through the Lord's Prayer and Psalm 23. But whatever way you use, start developing that daily habit of prayer. Number two, we need to learn to read the Scripture together with someone in our family. Maybe you're not living with any family members right now, but that's where the church comes in. We have brothers and sisters and moms and dads spiritually related to us by Christ. And what we need to do is read our Bibles together with them. Maybe get in a Bible study with them. Maybe do a Right Now Media video with them. Or maybe in your family, what you can do is you can read through the Scripture together with them. Read it out loud. Uh, read it silently. Come back and talk about it. Learn to do this in your family. For, for our uh, task this week, while we're uh, practicing uh, social isolation, social distancing. Our task this week, get together with either a church member, uh, keep six feet apart, or a family member, and read through some scripture together. Take a picture of you all reading your scripture together and put in the caption the verse that you're going to try to memorize together while you're reading scripture. Then post that online, either to our Facebook page or to Instagram, WCC Online Church, um, or maybe Twitter, and, and just put a picture of you reading the Bible with a family or friend, and the caption is, here is the scripture we're trying to memorize. One of our church attenders told me uh, last week that they were using the slowdown time to read a book of the Bible every day. That's a great use of our time to turn to God. Even the longest books of the Bible found, found in, in Scripture, like Psalms, can be read in about five hours straight. So we need to develop daily prayers. We need to read our Scripture together. And number three, we need to check in on someone in our church. I got a text from someone in our church I haven't seen or spoken to in a long time, and they were just checking in on me, seeing how my family was doing, and seeing if I had any prayer requests. What a beautiful thought to check in on my family and me. Our elders and our staff and some of our volunteers have been calling and checking on uh, church members and just people who attend our church the last couple of weeks. I hope you've gotten a call, and I hope you've had a prayer request for them. You start doing it too. Find somebody this week that you can call and just check on. Here's your script. How are you doing? I'm just checking in on you. Is everything okay? Do you have any needs? What can I pray for you? Figure out a way to contact somebody uh, before Tuesday just to see how they're doing. So develop daily prayers, read your scripture together, call and check in on somebody. And number four, figure out a way to be consistent in your giving to God through your local congregation and through other areas that are helping people. It doesn't matter the amount so much as learning to be consistent in giving. And then over time, you'll learn how to increase your generosity. However, God gives you grace in that area. And finally, when this period of time ends, keep doing the new habits you've developed. Don't wait for God to cause another slowdown in your life for you to take the time to slow down and meet with Him. And when we get together physically again, when we finally are able to meet as a church in one place, in one location together again, keep doing these actions. Keep developing your character for Christ. Keep turning into the recommitment to the 
to the purpose God had for our lives. You know what would happen if we all did that together? If we do that during this slow time, it's going to save people's lives. And I'm not talking about taking someone some much-needed toilet paper. I'm talking about saving souls. Historically, the church has always responded to disease as a test of our faith. Will we respond with love? Will we respond with trust? Will we respond with faithfulness? When we do, and when unbelievers see us, unbelievers who are so desperate to save their mortal bodies from this virus, when they see our gratitude, our calm, our joy, and our love, it will shake unbelievers to their very core, and they will turn and believe. God wants us to use this slowdown time so that we can be prepared to start a revival. What if the spark of revival happens in our community because we allowed God to set a renewed fire in our hearts for service and love and joy because He gave us this time to seek Him out in repentance and recommitment? That's His plan for our lives. Do those things this next week and you will be ready to be used as an instrument of God. As we move into our time of communion, I want you to go and get your bread and cup and gather your family around if you're, if you're with a family and, or gather your small group around if you're with a small group and take that bread and pass it out and everyone hold it up. When we see the bread, we need to remember and see the body of Christ broken for us. We need to look back and see Christ crucified. Hold that bread up now and just imagine and remember what he did for us. And then take the cup. Hold the cup up. Hold the cup that you're having your, uh, your cup of the new covenant in. Hold it up and remember his blood that covers over all of our past and future mistakes and realize you are safe in the protection of God's forgiveness and safe in our future heavenly home. Let me pray over our time of communion and then take the body and blood of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for this slowdown time even while we're learning the scripture. The slowdown time even while we're in a sermon. And we ask that you would use the slowdown time of communion to bring us to repentance. Remind us as we examine our hearts where we have failed you. And then allow us to rest in your grace and love and mercy and forgiveness of Christ on the cross. Remind us that his sacrifice forgave us of all of our sins. His sacrifice was because he loved us. And let us use that love to help us respond with a recommitment to whatever life you call us to be so that we can be more like him more like Christ. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I wonder when Jonah was spit up on the shore if he was ever able to look back and realize how safe he had been through that whole time. Even when he faced the danger of drowning, the danger of being eaten by fish, and the, the danger when he preached in the wicked city of Nineveh, I wonder if he ever thought to himself, what was I ever worried about? I like how Dr. Ortland says, and I think this is what communion can remind us of, and I quote, From heaven's shore, we will see how eternally safe we were all, all along. 
even amid the global upheaval and anxieties that loom so large as we walk through them. The dangers out there are real. The cautions that we are taking are wise. Our bodies are vulnerable. But our souls, for those of us united to a resurrected Christ, are beyond the reach of eternal danger. How unharmable are we, we who are in Christ. Be at peace, all is assured." End quote. If this message has inspired you or encouraged you, we would love if you shared it with a friend. To help support ministries like this one, go to wcconline.org slash donate.